too focused. They want, nay, they need a distraction from the day in, day out stumbles of life. Let's get digitally distracted. Alright, so Digitally Distracted, yes, it is officially back, but that is not the only thing that is returning. Suikoden is back, baby. Well, I mean, not quite. Let's not call it a comeback. Some of the original developers are back with a Kickstarter for a brand new game, Ayuden Chronicle 100 Heroes, which is clearly a Suikoden-esque game with Yoshitaka Moriyama at the helm. And as a Suikoden fan, it just seemed like the perfect returning episode topic for Digitally Distracted. And with me today, I've got John, with an H, don't forget it, from the Suikoden Revival Movement, a group that has been fighting the good fight to keep all things Suikoden alive. So John, welcome to Digitally Distracted. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Now, before we get into Aiden Chronicle and the Suikoden series in general, our main topic for today. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? You're also known as the, the Dreamy Warrior, as far as I know. Very dreamy. And uh, and then maybe Thanks. tell us a little bit about the revival movement. Okay, well, I'm John. Uh, I do a little bit of streaming over on Twitch.tv. I like doing lots of retro RPGs. Uh, so, And, of course, I'm all from original hardware, so I've uh, invested into doing that. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty much just a retro gamer, at heart like i really don't i mean i own the newer consoles but i just i, I don't invest as much time in them I, there's so much stuff in my backlog that i have to get caught up on a lot of games that people recommend and then i'm also uh involved in this code and rival movement and you know we've been at that for about eight years uh you know trying to to lobby for for more suikoden content you know whatever form it may come out in uh, recently, we did the the Suikothon, which was a couple of weeks ago, where a lot of speedrunners, uh, you know, participated in RPG limit break for seventy two full hours, and uh, just a few other stuff like going on, like the the Gensui, uh popularity contest on Twitter, which is always a fun annual event. But uh, yeah, uh, we try to keep busy with what ways we can, and you know, our goal is to still to get a Suikoden game. So uh, for people that are wondering, you know, because of the Kickstarter. If uh, that's going to change, you know, we, we can do both. We uh, we absolutely want to uh, still lobby uh, Konami for uh, more speaking content. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense. Obviously, you know, I think uh, Moriyama would say the same, which he has, he has referenced that. He doesn't want to, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but, you know, not step on any toes at Konami just because of that. So, um, you know, being careful to not be too specific that this is clearly Suikoden-esque um, in in the style and everything, and it just looks really good. But before we get into it, you, you said something there. Original hardware. So you're a fellow uh, hardcore original hardware uh, producer when it comes to the way you play your games and the way you stream. Yes, absolutely. So have you gotten deep into the? Because I'm good friends with the My Life in Gaming fellas who are uh, hardcore in the RGB realm. Have you gotten that deep into it? 
Uh, yeah, whenever I, I need to know what kind of chords I need for my upscaler, I always check out those guys uh, or the best way to capture from X console. Right. Uh, they're always my go-to. So yes, uh, they heavily influence uh, my purchasing decisions. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I've got the nice direct line to them. So I'm always like, hey, I got the OSSC. Try, what do I need to do? What are the optimal settings? Get on the phone yeah. right now. But <laughs> definitely That's we'll the have thing. them on the show too. Um, add the SSC as well. I heard they're coming off the Pro sometime soon, so I'll be interested to see what their take is on that as well. Yeah, I ran the Frame Meister for for a long time, and more recently got the OSSC. And then it's like, oh yeah, there's gonna be a Pro one. It's like, oh great, of course. <laughs> you know, after I get the the original, <laughs> but it's been it's been great. I've I've almost completely switched over to the OSSC for you know any of my gameplay on the on the flat panel display. Try also got me to get an OLED. One of the LG OLEDs, he convinced me to do it. But anyway, the important thing we got to talk about here is Aiden Chronicle. So the Kickstarter launched, uh, it's been like four four days ago now? Yep, we're starting the fourth day. Today. Yeah, yeah, yep. right, right, right. And it's, uh, so the first thing, you know, we knew there was going to be some sort of announcement. The, uh, you know, the normies like myself, you probably had some, some secret knowledge, but I had no clue. I just knew that Moriyama was going to be announcing something and i think he, he said like in 24 hours right i'm gonna announce something and then people are just waiting and you know because we assumed mm-hmm. it'd be somewhat sweet and related we knew he had his um his own studio going and you know he put out this this kickstarter for aiden chronicle 100 heroes eight shy of being super obvious with the 108 and uh it <laughs> it killed kickstarter multiple times uh so we have to get like a death counter up for kickstarter uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so much though so that kickstarter reached out to uh their team and said hey we're gonna uh, give you a complimentary extra day at the ends uh you know just because of all the uh, technical difficulties at the start oh wow i did not know that so that's cool so they're gonna get an extra day which clearly they probably won't need because blew the five hundred thousand ish dollar goal out of the way i mean within those like right around the time it first crashed, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so people are saying like it reached its initial goal probably like in two hours, but it probably would have been like just barely over an hour if not for the crashes. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think it like crashed when it was like at 400 and, and something K. Super so it was close. really close. Uh, so I'll say it, I think it was just like, you know, an hour, maybe 20 minutes would have been what it would have taken to get that initial goal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now it's up to I've got it right here. Let me do the old let's do the refresh here. We are at uh, t- oh man, outrageous two million, well over two million already two million four hundred sixty three thousand dollars and some change already. Um, and it's uh, now do you? I know they've been updating like where it was in the sense of most you know funded Kickstarters. Do you know what it's at right now? Rank. The last one I saw was 14th. I'm not sure if it changed since there. Yeah, that's but. what I had heard. 14th overall, right? Not just in gaming, just of all Kickstarters. Yeah. That's crazy because you think, um, at least, you know, I sort of got to know the revival movement, you know, many moons ago, uh, many blue moons ago when I first <laughs> did my Suikoden in retrospective because the Suikoden series has always been my favorite RPG next to Final Fantasy as a series but you know the one thing i always got irritated with with final fantasy is there'd be one that i loved so much 
but we know with Final Fantasy, every game is it's it's a new set of characters, of course, with references, chocobos. You're going to see some cactuars running around, but the characters aren't going to be the same, and the world might not be the same. Mm-hmm. And with Suikoden, it's just I love that it's this history and this timeline that continues to build and build and build. And there was something about it was like the perfect in between because you know when you and I first played, like the PlayStation was. I mean, that, it was just the console at the time, so it wasn't like we went back and found Suikoden. We knew we knew about it uh, before. It's sort of being rediscovered here and there. It's funny to think, it was a, at least probably four years ago that I did my retrospective, and that's sort of where I got to um, got in contact with the revival movement. You guys shared out the video, and, you know, as somebody sort of bringing light to the game, it did feel, even then, Obscure, and I still think now, prior to this Kickstarter going up, it was still something that you would see articles on gaming sites about, you know, the best RPG you probably never played, and like all these articles, and they would be like, oh, Suikoden 2, game you didn't even know is amazing. Maybe it's the best RPG, and it still felt like, oh, it's this obscure thing that, or maybe people know the name, but they've never really played it. And now, do you think, uh, you think the Kickstarter is going to push people to go play the original Suikoden games, or do you think they're just going to be focused on this this new series? That's a that's a good question. Um, I mean, we still have a long time before uh, Ayuden comes out, so I think uh, a lot of influencers, YouTubers, and stuff are, are like, you know, they keep referencing what the team is that behind this project, and you know, praising their previous work, which is getting a lot of people interested in saying like, hmm, like, should I go, where, where can I get these games? Like, uh, should I go back and revisit them? So I think there is going to be a, you know, new, new, uh, you know, gathering of people for the first time playing it. Yeah, and I, I know that, because uh, I don't, I don't know if it was before or maybe slightly after, because um, one of those early pushes from the revival movement was to get, the original games on the PlayStation Network to be able mm-hmm. to, you know, have a way to play them now. As far as I know, they're still locked to the PlayStation 3. We don't have access to those to the PS4, which is frustrating. I guess you can do them on the Vita if you do the, you know, the connection mm-hmm. that way, but... Yeah, 1 and 2 are available on the on the Vita. Uh, 1 through 4 are available on the PSN for PS3. Um, I think that's more of a Sony... Uh, mishap than than on so much konami okay uh who knows at the ps5 if if the classics they'll be able to take some stuff off that i you know we can speculate but uh i think that you know it was, it was really nice for a while but then like i don't know how long it was after we got the digital re uh the d- digital releases on the psn mm-hmm. uh and then to be kind of made on op- obsolete hardware in a little bit uh you know definitely probably stung yeah, yeah, and the PS3 is, uh, I mean, I, I went the PS3 route because, you know, my my growth through gaming, I started on the NES. Before that, I started with the Vectrex for some reason because that was what my aunt handed down to us. So that was my first gaming experience. And then I got the NES and the Game Boy, and that's where I was like, ooh, I like these these game things. First RPG was the original Final Fantasy, and then just, you know, went to Super Nintendo, and then it was that thing in 64 PlayStation 1, and I had to go PlayStation 1 for the RPGs. Obviously, Final Fantasy 7 was a huge uh, push for me to get the PlayStation. I never got the consoles at release. I just couldn't you know, afford it. So it wasn't something my family was, yeah, what's the next console? All right, we'll get it for you, little gamer David. So we eventually were able to get the PlayStation. I got it from my grandmother 
for Christmas. I was like, you got to get it at the Electronics Boutique. And uh, yeah, Final Fantasy VII was a game I played a lot of. Chrono Cross, huge, huge impact. Loved Chrono Cross. Uh, one of the one of those Chrono Cross is better than Trigger people, which uh, triggers people yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's very uh, controversial. <laughs> but just you bring up that name, a lot of people that have played Suikoden keep asking people, hey, what's another game that's like Suikoden? And I always hear that brought up a lot just because of the the large cast of characters. Mm-hmm. But I, I firmly am in the camp that I think Chrono Cross probably has one of the best uh, soundtracks like on the PS1. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Yasunori Mitsuda, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. 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 So good. So good. Nice. Yeah, like I'm just thinking the, those overworld themes. Like I, I could just leave that on loop forever. Oh yeah. Just stay in the just stay in the ship. Just stay in the ship and listen. Um yeah, Chrono Cross, great game. But then uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this, uh the way we we're kind of going off the, the Kickstarter, but uh, you know, the first one I played was Suikoden Two, which is often considered the best of the series, and then I kind of went back because I found Suikoden 2 at a rental store that was closing and they were getting rid of their stock and I saw, you know, assemble a, an army of 108 characters on the back. I was like, what? And I was telling you that the, character, the main character had Tanfa and I was actually doing uh, some karate at the time, doing some martial arts and I was learning Tanfa. I was like, that's super awesome. I got to get this. So fell in love with it, went back to Electronics Boutique and found a copy of the first game new because it, you know, it wasn't that much of a gap between the two games and back then it was mm-hmm. pretty easy to find uh, such games pick that up and it's that weird thing of I still to this day I'm not certain if one or two is my favorite because it's just there's a there's definitely a different feel and uh, I, th- I think you feel more like a loner in the first game obviously because you don't have Nanami and it's, it's it's a different feel, but for you was was the original the very first game was that your first experience? Yeah, it was. So it's interesting to hear your take because I keep wondering because it was my first. Do I have that nostalgic connection, or do others kind of feel the same way? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's widely like you know you see like top one hundred RPGs and in, in various publications, and speaking to always makes the cut. Um, you know. Yeah, it's 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 tricky because there's the if I really like broke it down, I could probably pinpoint some of the things that. Um, it's funny because I'll always see. I usually there are tweets from the revival movement of like ranking, like the rankings that have been coming up, and I don't know, I don't know who it is d- directly that posts those. Is that you? No, it's not me. <laughs> okay, okay, because you know sometimes get a little controversial, and uh, you know like I, I saw one it was like ranking the war battles, and Sweden two is. You know, it's not beloved for the war battles as much as I think from an outside perspective, seeing that top down, very tactical view, it's like, oh, this looks amazing. This is going to be, what is this, Langrisser? What is this? And then, uh, you know, <laughs> or advanced heroes, but then you are advanced, um, what am I thinking of? You know what I'm talking about <laughs> on, the, on the Game Boy Advance, um, the tactical game. And it's, it's such a cool looking style with the units and, you know, taking turns and moving and using your abilities but it's so forced as to the outcome. Like you don't have that much influence. And if you try to go outside of the influence of those tactical war battles, uh, you're just going to lose. Yeah. It, it really forces your hand to, to do one of the, which is almost like a, a community in itself of people trying to fight against, you know, what the game wants you to do. Like with the refugees, Oh, you got to get them over here. You got to move this way. Oh, you need to retreat. And then you try to go into battle and, and mess it up anyway. Um, 
But I think that might be a big thing for me is I actually like the rock, paper, scissors, simple aspect, seeing the tiny little characters in the original just going across and battling it. Even though it is in a way more random, it doesn't feel as random because they're really like large scale duels in a way. Yeah. Um, but at least we had the duels in Suikoden 2. Mm-hmm. In uh, Suikoden 1, like one thing I just liked is that uh, feel for mature, I think there's only two war battles that were actually like you couldn't win. The rest of them you all could. And I think in other of the other titles in the series, a majority of the war battles were like kind of sort of scripted, like survive X amount of turns mm-hmm. or you just never finish the battle. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one thing I do appreciate of, of some of the more simpler battles. Or I think in, in four, there was a lot of battles we actually had, like, you know, eliminate all targets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four, four I like to, and that's another one that's sort of, is polarizing in the the Suikoden community. I see. I had issues with three. Three kind of bothered me, and because I, you know, it was cool. I get the idea of oh, let's show you, because it's been so one sided the first two games. You're only seeing the war and the the rebellion from this one side, and clearly you're the right group and they they're wrong. You need to f- change them and rebel against them. And then three, it was like, let's show three perspectives of the war so you can kind of see it from all sides. But I, I never got to fully connect with the main character. And I'm one of those RPG guys who prefers to name the main character. I'm one of those. And uh, Tri- Corey and Tri... Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Corey and Tri always get on me because... I will sometimes not play an RPG, an old school RPG, if you can't name the character, and they think that's the stupidest thing ever. Because they're <laughs> like, "Oh, just give me a default name," and that's what really irritated them in the early. Because uh, I don't believe because Tier won't show up as a default name. You have no, to put something. Um, so a lot of people assume that that's the the canon name. It's the novelization name. Um, right. Actually, in the manga, he his, he has another name, Louis. Louis, so, yeah, Louis. So uh, you know, sometimes. Yeah, Stuff just, uh, you know, it, it's so popular, that name, that just it almost becomes fan canon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just easier to to reference a character by that rather than saying protagonist, hero of Sweden <laughs> 1. Right, and I, I got so excited, which, again, you know, Corey and Tri were messaging me. They're like, did you see this? It's like, of course I saw that Aiden Chronicle's coming. I'm not, it's game, Dave. What are you talking about? Yes. And then <laughs> I, I sent to them, I was like, what convinced me for sure to pledge was next to the main character's name. It said default name, which tells me <laughs> you're going to be able to name the main character and that nobody responded in our group chat about that. Cause they were like, Oh, that's stupid. <laughs> like, why do you care? <laughs> um, but it, in the audio drama, I don't, I'm not super familiar with the audio dramas. Um, mm-hmm. for those of you who aren't squeaking in people, this is going to be, this is a deep dive. So just bear with us. You're going <laughs> to, you're going to learn a lot, but the audio dramas, what did they use tier in that? Or were they using Louie? Uh, I'm, I'm not I, certain certain about it. I can't recall. Um, no. They might just refer to him as Young Master. Um, that would be the most logical thing, because obviously with Grimio, that's what uh, it would do. Yeah, I have the are available on uh, on you know on YouTube uh, with with some uh, subtitles. Uh, yeah, right. And there was somebody who I think they did they put like gameplay footage with it um, as like a, they like edited the text boxes to follow the drama, which I was like. That is amazing. I do have volume one of the audio drama on CD. I don't remember. I got it many years ago in my my little Suikoden shrine, and I'm sure you've got <laughs> yeah. many items. We should 
do a follow-up when uh, Aiden Chronicle is over. We should do a follow-up and, and compare our, our collections of trinkets. Do you have any of the, the little strap uh, runes? Oh, yeah, the, the phone the phone straps. <laughs> the phone straps, yeah. Straps or yeah. charms. Yeah, I was like, once I found out those existed, slippery there's, slope. There's a lot of quirky items, especially, you know, because the populator is, is going too. Like, so if you want some, you know, Victor and Flick hand towels. Yes. I, <laughs> and there's like a, or a pocket cookie mirror. jar. Pocket oh mirror. yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. My little blinking mirror. There's a few. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, uh, I put a blinking mirror, very subtle. No one would probably catch it, but blinking mirror reference in my um, most recent Game Dave episode, which was an episode of Family Corner, where I I sort of talk about the the main character to collect one ups. The one up icon is a is a mirror. I was like, that's cool because you sort of you know you're looking into the mirror, you get an extra self. And I was like, oh, I'll just do a mirror image of myself. I'll do that effect. And I was like, how do I transition to that? So I found it and I cut out the blinking mirror from the first game. And then I had it spin really quick as I transfer- transformed to that. And I'm like, yep, nobody's going to know that that was the Suikoden blinking mirror, but had to be done. Had to be done. So Aiden Chronicle, before we go even deeper into this the Suikoden mm-hmm. wormhole, we at least got to talk a little bit more about it. Um, the style is amazing it's it's exactly what you would want i think for a modern game in that style i'm so glad they kept the two point i guess you'd say 2.5 d because the characters are all beautiful sprite work and then they're sort of in semi 3d environments and a lot of people are saying it has an octopath traveler look to it which i totally get but with the more like i guess you'd say 32 bit sprites similar to suikoden one and two instead of the the more 16 bit look of Octopath Traveler and try to not to keep referencing them. They're gonna have to be on the show quickly. That's my many times they say his name. But try would always complain about the sort of shimmering effect that was in um, the sprite look of Octopath, and I don't see that in at least the trailer footage that we have seen. But man, it it looks really good, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think actually uh, Maruyama did. Somebody asked uh, that question or posed it, and I think uh, he said that you know he, he really likes the look of Octopath Traveler. Um, so I'm sure that was an influence in in some way. Yeah, um, definitely, I, I believe so. And the towns, I will say, that's one of the things in you know, the first two games is the the NPCs were very simple. Um, if you go to a town, and there weren't that many, it was a lot of reuse of you know the same sprites for those. But that happened a lot in the early RPGs, even though that's not super early, but the PlayStation era. And it's interesting they have that. There's that one clip in the trailer. If you haven't seen it, check out the trailers and everything, and the clips. But you know when you're moving through that town, just it looks so crowded on that. I think it's like a pier. Um, it looks like sort of a you know, a, a ship town, boating town, and there's just like full of characters. It almost looks ridiculous. <laughs> like it's almost too many. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that kind of impressed me too. And yeah, just that look. And, you know, it's it's that continuing theme of having sort of a traditional Chinese weapon for the main character instead of just let's give the main character a sword or something, which is awesome because you've got the, the sort of the Chinese hook weapons for the main character yep. and those look really good that, and I uh, I made sure that the tier that I pledged tier pun intended was the one that came with the miniature version of uh, his weapon it's my friend uh, friend of the show Noptop check his stuff out uh, he for uh, Christmas made me replica 
Tanfa from Suikoden 2. And he's not a gamer by any means, but he, he's like, I'm going to figure this out for him. I feel like I've seen that photo. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like holding them. Yeah, you probably. Yeah, it's it's an intense thumbnail, but yeah, I was super excited. That was it was a really cool thing to have. But yeah, so Aiden Chronicle is definitely going to happen. Uh, the current plan is 2022, and um, you know I liked about the Kickstarter. They kind it was almost I don't know if it was intentional, but there was a little shade getting thrown. I don't know if it was towards Shenmue Three or not. Uh, which I also backed, and uh, that was it was a very very delayed game, and there were a lot of complaints about things like, you know, seeing it pre-orderable. That's a word on Amazon, and people hadn't even heard about getting their backer copies yet. And I know in the in the details there it was like we want to make sure the backers that support this game get the game before we push it out for retail. And I, I was like, that's a huge thing to applaud them for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we we talked a little about that. I don't know how what much you want to share. Um, do you want to share how crazy you went with your pledge for the Kickstarter? Uh, that sounds sure like a no. So we're gonna hide that, but that tells you that's all you had to say. Now we know it's probably more than you should have. <laughs> that's all we know. My I I, I went with the uh, the Trinity Squire, and I know that um, there was some confusion because there were so many levels. Um, for pledging, there's almost like a there's like a handbook to follow to see. It's like okay, I want this, this, and this, and these pieces. So you know, make sure that you really go through if you are gonna. And we, I say, we both highly recommend that you check out the Kickstarter, and I highly recommend you support it because it's going to happen. Uh, it's hit the goal, so you don't have to worry about that. And you can get some, you know. What will likely be once in a lifetime items if you're a Suikoden fan, it, it's hard to track down a lot of those original Suikoden merch items. I know it's taken me a long time to get the ones that I do have, and there's ones that I'm just like, yeah, I'm never, it's never gonna happen. Like, I'm never gonna get that particular item. And to be able to get these, e- even just the fact that one of the tiers has the soundtrack is major because we know the music in the games has always been hugely impactful. What what would you say is your um do you prefer the the uh Miki Higashino music to the later games? Okay. Um <laughs> well, here we yeah, go. I'd, I'd say so. I really like Tear Crisis uh soundtrack too. Okay, um okay. And then it, it's sort of it, it's so hard because then it's like 3 has got my favorite it's got my favorite intro oh, with that like you know animated right? stuff mm. but then 4 is uh, La Mer La Mer Yep La Mer is also a really good song so Yeah they're slick um, but, with those openings But yeah I would say it's, it's a really close between like uh, Miga Higashino's work and then also Tear Christ as like a overall whole soundtrack for the game Now I will say this may take away from my fandom cred I I own it but I've still not played the DS game because it's uh, you know, it is from what I understand very different. It is not. Are there 108 heroes or not? In there are. Uh, they call them. Uh, uh, is it marks of the star or star? I think they're just called star bearers, actually. Okay, and it but, is. Is it within? It's not in the same timeline, right? Is it like a different world? Spin-off correct. World? It's in like as a thousand worlds. Uh, so I mean, if if you got like a, a head cannon, you could easily tie in stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh. And I think it'd be interesting conversation to have because we're talking about Ayuden and what sort of elements we're looking for as fans of Sweden to be in it. And I think Tear Christ 
did hit some of those because um, I know a lot of people will just be turned off because, as you said, you know, from Final Fantasy to speak it in, one thing that you really enjoyed was the continuity, uh, continuity mm-hmm. of, of the worlds and stuff like that. So I think uh, immediately a lot of people were maybe turned off by that aspect in, in Tear Christ. But uh, yeah, I think that's what got me is that I, I knew it wasn't part of the timeline. I believe, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but is Vicky in it? Is she the only returning character, Vicky? There, there are no uh, returning There's characters. There's none? Oh, man, I thought maybe Vicky would. Because I feel like she'd be the most logical one because of her teleportation issues. And, um, you know, she is she has been in all of the mainline games. She's, like, one of the few that has always shown up. Um, speaking of characters from Suikoden, we're going all over the place. Back to Suikoden 3. Who was your flame bearer, your flame champion for Suikoden 3? The first playthrough? Yeah, first playthrough. Uh, First playthrough was Hugo. I, you know, I was a kid. I related more to him. You know, there's this this uh, older gentleman and then also a girl. So I just kind of naturally went with mm-hmm. him. He's on the cover. I thought he was really cool looking. And they consider uh, Hugo he, canon, right? Uh, uh, in, in the manga, yeah, he, he is the one that, that bears it. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, in Suikoden 3, you, you could say that, as much as I complain about naming characters, in Suikoden 3, the change was, because there's three different characters, they had to have their own names. So the way they kind of got around it, which I, I did appreciate the cleverness of this, is that there's this, this the flame bearer, the flame champion, who you do name at the beginning of the game, and it threw me, because I was like, oh, okay, good, I can name my character. And then I get into the game, I'm like, where's, where's, where's my flame champion at? Where, where's me? And... Uh, he even had a similar look to the first two uh, heroes. And then you find out much later, much later in the game, that one of those three will become the, the flame champion. And you have the option to apply, which is so weird. They have the option to take, like they're getting married to the flame champion. They can take their name and it can be changed to whatever you put in. But only in all caps, which is also kind of weird. And uh, I I chose Ghetto. Ghetto was my my choice because I was like, ah, oh, cool guy. And I was a little bit younger. I was like, yeah, look at him. He's like cool pirate kind of, but not. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah. But though I think now if I were to do it again, if it wasn't for the name aspect, I don't know. I probably would go with Chris. I don't know. That's going to be my next playthrough. I did get out my last, um, it's very interesting to see him because you also see that, you know, uh, I'm sure it's spoiler related, but I guess I'll, you know, he also has a true rune that kind of relinquishes, to somebody else. So it kind of shows there that, you know, you can only have like the runes are like almost kind of sentient mm-hmm. in their ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, some are actually vocal. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, it kind of like, uh, just shows that like, you know, yeah, the history a little bit behind that. And I thought it was really interesting, you know, who decided to latch on to and stuff like that is since I didn't see that because, uh, you know, I, I wonder what happens with Chris, but seeing from what happened to Hugo, it like, you know, just kind of like seemed to make more sense while the other one was just like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for those who don't know, well, I'm going to do this for you guys to keep you in, in the know. So the the magic system and, and sort of the world creation of the Swigan series is based around these runes. And there were the, the original uh, runes that sort of broke away to create all of these smaller runes. It almost... It's kind of like you could look at it as materia if you if you wanted like a, a somewhat similar thing where you have these like huge major materia and then they sort of break into shards that become more you know less powerful uh, materia with abilities and spells um, 
So have these true runes, which are like the major, you know, most powerful runes that most people don't have access to. And then from those are born these these runes that can sort of, you know, give you some abilities, but nothing too crazy. And usually our hero uh, is a bearer of, of one of the true runes. And, mm-hmm. um, and surprisingly enough, in three, the Tenkai, which traditionally is the, the main hero you control, does not get it. No. And that, that also threw me. Uh, a little bit because he was he was a kid, right? Uh, I want to say so. I think he was pretty young, pretty young fella. Yeah, I want to say like late teens. Yeah, which also yeah. goes with you know the theme of you know Tenka being a younger younger fella. I believe in uh, Aiden Chronicle. Uh, I think he's seventeen. Our main character, I believe, and uh, yeah. So Thomas is the Tenka star in. So we get in three, which again really threw me, because I was just it just really kind of subverted expectations, which sometimes they say is a good thing, and uh, yeah, I mean he was sort of tasked with looking after your fortress and other continuing things. We get in where you build up this headquarters, and that that's one of the things that really drew me to the the series, even though it feels like it tricks you. To think it's like really impactful in the first game, where you're really uh, you know affecting this this castle as it gets larger and larger. But there's really not that much to do in the original, aside from shops and maybe having little incidental conversations with the other 108 characters that you collect to build your army. So in two, of course, went nuts because I think the mini games is what you know a lot of people think of when going back to headquarters is you know the fishing mini game and of course the cooking. Iron Chef, let's be honest, let's say what it is. The Iron Chef game within a game. Uh, and back to the Kickstarter, that is one of the stretch goals was to have a cooking mini game. And uh, do you think it's going to have that Iron Chef feel? Uh, I, th- I think so. Um, they've also like listed a lot of people's favorite foods. So maybe you're supposed to, you know, in making your th- – your three course meal or whatever you should take those those hints into consideration or maybe those will actually be consumable like items you can perhaps cook and maybe they'll have like enhanced effect on the people that that prefer them yeah because that would happen a lot of times where you could actually have um you sometimes you could even just collect them from enemies you would get different food items as restoratives like uh just always remember picking up like crab balls walking around the you know the world map and you know and it's interesting to see the the stretch goals. It's like because I would say Moriyama seemed he seemed nervous um, before the Kickstarter went live, at least from the translations that I was seeing. I believe it was right before it went live. Uh, he tweeted uh, what translated to I believe I'm scared, right? Yeah. And and I was like, wow, okay, this like it, just the genuineness of like how much they care about this this new IP is and they want to be able to you know because Suikoden was his baby and in a way not that it was taken from him but I would feel like it was because the heart and soul that he put in he clearly loves uh the series so much and to be able to you know he, he said in the a Kickstarter video that to be able to own it and be able to continue it and make it a series that they have control over and it, it's theirs. They don't have to worry about losing it again. Um, it, it tricks me into thinking, did they think it was going to be as successful as it has been so far? Because 500,000 seemed for Suikoden style things seemed like 
a pretty lofty goal because you don't think of, you know, the widespread. It probably doesn't help that, uh, I mean, when I first played it, I didn't, you know, I called it Sukoden because I didn't know. And I, I said that up until, you know, I don't even know how long I called it Sukoden because it was so hard for me to slowly start calling it Suikoden, <laughs> you know. And, you weren't too far off. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Um, not sure if, uh, not sure Zero appreciate me saying this, but uh, Zero1337 is a world record holder of a lot of the records. And when I first uh, tuned in, he would call it Suikoden. So <laughs> that, I thought that was a, a little far off. And he had world records then. I'm like, ah. Uh, well, wow, he's, you know, he's really never sticking, sticking to it. it. It might not be quite as bad as uh, my good friend Jerome uh, in high school, fellow Final Fantasy fan. That was that was the one series that you know all my high school buds loved was Final Fantasy. We all played through them when they would come out. Um, couldn't get them to play, so we couldn't. Uh, and then we each had our own RPG that only one of us played. So for me, that was Suikoden. Uh For my best friend at the time, it was <laughs> Legend of Lagaya. And uh, then my third friend, it was Final Fantasy XI that none of us played because I just I couldn't get my mind around the MMO thing at the time, at least. And but Jerome, he would call them Kokobos. For some reason, thought the H was silent. I bet you've never heard that one. No, no, <laughs> no, have not. And you never will. So Jerome, if you're watching this, I apologize. I apologize in advance. I'll have to message him and be like, hey. No offense, no offense, Jerome, but <laughs> with Suikoden's uh, impact, and you know, which seems smaller than maybe I real, but it could also be the fact that our community is so dedicated that that's why the Kickstarter. Obviously, the pledges. It's the most I've ever pledged for a Kickstarter ever, and I've backed you know a couple Kickstarters in the past, and it's that weird thing of I knew going into it. No matter what the levels were, I wasn't just going to get the physical game, you know, like the normal like sixty dollar pledge. Shenmue three, I just got the physical game, and that was it. The, I knew I was going to at least get a higher level than that. Just one to support, and two just to get those sort of, you know, those timeless things that you can always say, yeah, that was when I I helped make this happen. Um, it's, it's probably the most excited I'll ever be for a Kickstarter in my life. I highly doubt there's going to be something that comes out that says impactful. Like I was there at noon. I was ready. I was ready to go. And I was like, man, I want to be one of the first backers. And then I'm going through all the, I did not realize how many uh, support tiers there would be. So I was like, oh, well, I'm definitely not going to be the first guy to back this game. And do, do you think 500,000, do you think they thought they were going to crush that goal so quickly? Um, I think they knew they were going to be, uh, they were definitely going to achieve it. I just don't think they thought they were going to achieve it in an hour. Right. Um, and I think the whole part of the, of the Kickstarter was this, to kind of gauge interest. I mean, yeah, Mariyama put out a video earlier today, which is on the Kickstarter, it's on the update. Uh, I forget what they're calling this phase, the, the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did say uh, he, he really wanted to know if he was going to make a game, if people would be interested in playing it. So I think that is what the Kickstarter is really gauging. Um but uh, w- one cool thing for people that maybe be on the fence is that you will get everybody that backs it will get a uh, beta key. At, um, I'm pretty sure that's what it listed, or maybe you had to get at yeah, least a digital I saw, version. I saw that change because originally it was for the physical backers, I mm-hmm. think, and then they've they've officially they were like, oh, we're sorry for the confusion. Yet we're going to make sure that backers get access to the beta, which is which is huge. But what kind of made me nervous initially 
right before I started pledging was I saw that, um, of course I wanted it on console. I, I feel like it needs to be on PlayStation. Um, I'll probably go the PS5 route when we get there. That just feels like it. I mean, I'll get it on all the platforms <laughs> that I have just because, just to support. And if it comes out on whatever the new Switch might be, if we get that, of course, I'll, I'll pick that up as well. But seeing that the consoles was, you know, a million dollars, so initially thinking it might only be on PC, and then the fact that the Fortress headquarters mode was a stretch goal as well, I, it makes me think, you know, they, they couldn't make this game without that. You know, they have to have the HQ in, in the game. So I think they probably did know, but... Yeah, I think it was just that nervousness of putting it all out there. Maybe that's why uh, Mariyama posted, I'm scared. But that made me want to give even more because um, I showed my friend who's completely not – he's not in the gaming community. I had him look at the, the Kickstarter video, and I was like, is this not the most charming, genuine, and sincere freaking thing you've ever seen on a Kickstarter? It was just so like – it made you feel like kids like, running around, like make it, He's like, get the cardboard, and they build the little HQ out of cardboard, and bringing the army together to make this happen. And just like, I mean, I just love just Murray. I'm just sitting there in the beginning. I was like, did not expect that that they would have filmed um, and, like a home movie. Yeah, it was it was awesome. It was, it was so perfect, and uh, just I mean, they're knocking it out of the park now with those stretch goals. Of course, this is called 100 Heroes, and we all know the Suikoden series is known for the 108 Stars of Destiny, which is pulled from the, the water margin, uh, where this sort of was inspired. And uh, for those of you who don't know, that's a very ancient Chinese novel. Um, and then Suikoden is sort of the Japanese title of it, which is where that comes from. Because in Japan, it's, it's Genso Suikoden. Uh, I would imagine to maybe avoid confusion. I don't know. Do you, do you know why we have uh, it's not Genso here? Um, it, it's probably just for like localization. They probably thought you know we wouldn't know uh, and just keep with like a title. Yeah, um, yeah let's might be a better reason for that. Let's keep it simple. We'll just call it a, a name that nobody can pronounce and not have any voice acting. <laughs> that's what that's what we'll do. So we can. Um, I, you know what? The first time. Which is kind of topical. The first time I heard it said correctly, at least, well, even then I wasn't sure if it was correct, was on X-Play. And it was Adam Sessler talking about the third game. And he called, he said, Suikoden. And I was like, what? Because, I, I mean, I hadn't taken any Japanese or anything like that, so I didn't know at the time. So I was like, oh, clearly he's wrong. Clearly Adam Sessler doesn't know what he's talking about. But, yeah, so that, that was the first time I heard it. And, I mean... I took uh, Japanese in college, and of course, with the internet, I was like, "Oh, yep, that's that's it, that's it." And uh, for the retrospective, I put one of the original Japanese commercials. I don't know if you've seen that; it's the commercial of them with the robe and they're walking through the the forest. I was like, "What a unique commercial!" Um, and just hearing Ginso Suikoden, I was like, "Yep, okay, it's go. confirmed." I just start working. I start working on <laughs> getting it right. But going back to the one hundred eight. My assumption was to sort of distance the army would be made up of, you know, pulling together 100 heroes, even though it doesn't say one. But now we're seeing with these stretch goals, the stretch goals are actually adding 
additional heroes, and I've been seeing the post say like the hundred and fourth character. And is that is that confirmed that that's they're going beyond the one hundred heroes with these stretch goals? That, that's what I believe it means to be. So, do you think that they they have just enough to stop at one hundred eight, or do you think they're going to go past that? I have no idea because I mean, even though there was one hundred eight in a lot of the speaking games, there were some recruitable characters that didn't count towards the the tablet. So there could be more. That um, you know what? That's right. That's right. Because hmm. we if we want to talk about you know if we want to get uh, deep and talk about flying squirrels. You know, of course, there's more than <laughs> there. There's one that counts, and many others that you can collect. And of course, the original hero shows up in Suikoden Two if you do it right, and he's not uh, on the board, which is interesting. It's like, does uh, does every every war, uh, Luke just gets in there and just clean, just scrubs it up. All right, now we're gonna swap all these out. Even it's only been a couple of years, but we're gonna forget those. That's a new ten K star. <laughs> That's a, that's something that always kind of threw me. I wonder how that that works. It's like maybe uh, like Knott's understanding of uh, these pivotal events in the world require new tablets. I guess. And oh kind yeah, of, kind yep. of threw me. <laughs> what uh, uh this would be a good question. So you you struggle with that? Which is best, one or two? Is that that you're you have that struggle as well? Uh it always seems like whenever you try to do a rankings list in, in the Sweden fandom, it always gets very polarizing because a lot of people have a certain game at the end and then it just turns into, uh, you know, gatekeeping in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, it's like you said, they're all part of one interconnected story. Plus one thing I really liked about the Sweden series, you know, once I first got into two was the data transfer. Like I yes. didn't really see any other games at the time really do that. Nope. Um, yeah, that that was something that pushed me for sure when I saw that, and then when three came out, just the fact that I was like, oh well, there goes that, and then nope, they figured out a way to get your Suikoden One data into this this PS2 game, PS1 to PS2 transfer, and that just, I mean, it it didn't do nearly as much. Obviously, it's not like you could bring back the original heroes or anything, which wouldn't really make sense uh, with the way three is. Um, it's just such a cool feature, and I know some of the things are, I mean, one to two is obviously the biggest, I think, unless you want to get into the tactics discussion, because that's pretty major. Tactics brought it back, yeah. and that, that made me a lot of people, A lot of people sleep on that, because maybe a lot of people didn't go on it, because it's a different genre, and also maybe just a lot of they heard the game that transfers into it, that might have affected, but I think they're both a lot, like, I really like the... Uh, the, the data transfer into tactics as well. Yeah, yeah, and and for those who don't know, um, tactics is basically. Is, I was a big fan of Final Fantasy Tactics. Loved it. Uh, played the heck out of it. So when I saw, oh, PS2 is getting a Suikoden in Tactics game that sort of connects with four, uh, I was super pumped. And then you can bring the hero from Suikoden in four over if you have that data, and it it's. Do you have any insight on so the final mainline game that we got was Suikoden in Five, which was also for the PS2, and how how do you feel or do you know have any insight on uh, where what happened with our data transfer situation there? Um, because hmm. well, you, you can't like, load I, I, four into five. Right, yeah, there, there's a, a, well, I mean, you load into tactics, so four is covered that way, but mm-hmm. I see what you're coming from. I think it's just because there's like, you know, what, uh, 
uh, four was 150 years before one. So I think that makes five like 148, 49 years Mm -hmm. after four. So I think it's just such a large gap. Like what could you really transfer over? It would probably, if they did do stuff, it probably more along the lines of what you got in speaking three, which was like a a play and some references to older stuff. Because I mean, they did talk about the Island nations, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh, there it is. There's the name kind of transferred from what I named the castle, but not quite. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So that's another sort of, uh, which I think is charming now at the time it frustrated me. But uh, so another fun thing about the early games is there are some translation issues and there are some buggy, um, there are some buggy things uh, involved with the transfers because uh, the whole idea initially was if you're going to transfer the first game into the second game, that the original hero is going to show up. And of course, if you named them, they should show up with that name. Why would it be different? And then they sort of had a built-in default, which was the character's last name, McDole, and then it would sort of overwrite that default name with whatever name from the load, which kind of threw me because why did they need to even even have McDole in there if uh, he only shows up with the data being loaded? So you'd think he's going to have a name anyway, but it only transfers uh, capital letters, correct? Um, it over Any capital letters you have and speaking to one name it will overwrite, like you said, McDole. So mm-hmm. if you had like tier in all caps it would be tur to roll yeah right. um so if you go all lowercase you're perfectly fine or if you play the pal region you're also don't have to worry about that glitchy bug they won't uh they'll do it right <laughs> it yeah, was just yeah. in the north american copy yep so for you know me i uh you know named the main character dave and a lot of the deep game dave fans already know this story but uh named the main character dave i see him in this village i'm like wait that's him i get there and uh his name is uh, Dick Dole, because I did capital D, lowercase a-v-e. And now I wonder if I had done capital D, capital A, capital V, capital E, and then put spaces in there, would that overwrite those remaining spaces? There'd just be a gap in the text, I would imagine? That's a, that's a good question. Something I'm to mess not with, because sure. that might be the one way to get around that. But, uh, you know, Dick Dole, so it takes the first letter, which was capital, replaces the M, and that's, I think, the experience for the majority of people who played both and transferred that perfect data over with the 108 stars. That's their experience to get there. And, you know, but if, ironically, as uh, your handle online, Dreamy Warrior, you, you've experienced the dick dole before. Yep, exactly. It's the DC <laughs> capital D-O-H-L. Yep, yep, yep. You got it, you got it. <laughs> Yeah, I, w- I went by that handle for quite a while on the internet, actually, Dave Dick Dole, and uh, it was a, it was a weird one to explain uh, as it got older because it doesn't sound it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good. It's like no, it's DC, DC, like Mick, like McDonald. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm hoping we'll see some more entries in Aiden Chronicle, depending on how well this comes out, and uh, they gotta they gotta do it. They gotta do the the save data transfer if they uh, sort of go that that way but i'm looking at the new uh, stretch goals at this point and we've got korean localization which is always good to have as many languages as possible and then that 2.6 million goal real brass having a full orchestra for the score um i mean just obviously we're going to get there at this point with having so many days left that that's going to be great and then uh and then 2.7 million where it is right now of course this will be different when you you guys see this out there but words with friends is what you can see 
on the stretch goal. So whatever that may mean, maybe it's uh, my my initial thought was library related because you know there was always a librarian in a way. You know, you gave the old books over to somebody uh, that you would find in the game. But who knows? You probably know more than I do. But we'll yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you slick fella. You, he's, this is why this is why John with an H is here. Okay, he's he's keeping it keeping us grounded. But yeah, so the Kickstarter. If if you have any interest in that era of RPGs, and if you have any interest in the Suikoden series, you have to. There is no question. This is this is a worthy investment. And from what the rumors are with the next gen consoles, there's claims that the games are going to be more expensive. I think there's rumors that they might be $70 games in the future generation. So now might be the time to get get one PS5 game for uh, less than $70. <laughs> so if anything, Absolutely. do that. Um, but yeah, I, I highly recommend it. And uh, check out uh, the footage. It looks so good. It, it's got the six-person parties, um, which is one of the things people like to complain about with Sweden 4. And, uh, you know, five, of course, five almost feels like the Final Fantasy nine of Suikoden because it kind of harkens back to the originals. And I think that at least that was the goal. Um, yeah. Trying to recapture some of those uh, people from that, like the the earlier games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I really appreciated five. It had a the style, the musical style was very unique. I think compared to the other games, uh, but that could be said about three as well. Three has sort of a sort of an odd midi-ish feel to it at times, and I don't know. But regardless, uh, they're all great, and all of the original games. If you're an RPG fan, I mean, clearly, you know, it, it's it's a great series to enjoy, and Aiden Chronicles is just going to continue that. Um, so please. I, I recommend you move, you make a movement over to that Kickstarter and uh, and do some work on there. And also with the Suikoden Revival movement, make sure you follow those uh, those guys. John he does a lot of work with them and great people there. And you know they're doing their best to to get the word out even more because the Suikoden fans are on it. They've they've probably already supported it. So now it's time to to sort of push out outside of that that world and you know make this community larger. And uh, you know, follow them. There's a Facebook page, Twitter. Get on that, and you can uh, get really good up to updates and insights on really anybody that's talking about Suikoden. And uh, is there anything else with the revival movement? Before we just talk more Suikoden, because I got some questions I, w- I want to get into. Um, I mean, you covered it all pretty much. Um, I'd say if you're if you're maybe an influencer and want to reach out to us, I'll, I'll provide the the link to Dave here for for email inquiries. Uh, but we're we're heavily trying to promote this game, uh, and uh, especially to Western audiences where where the reach isn't well. We we assumed it wasn't as strong, but we see the Kickstarter is actually showing the U.S. is actually one of the highest uh, backing nations right now. So wow, that um, that is that is major. And yeah, I know Japan. It's it's that weird thing of here. You know, if you want to get a copy of Suikoden Two used, you're you're breaking that hundred dollar threshold easily. Whereas in Japan. It's it's a bargain bin common PlayStation game. You know you can get the the what, the best of version for like a dollar. It's kind of weird, um, but it's just so big. It it's almost you wouldn't think of it, but Suikoden in, in Japan is almost on that level of like how Dragon Quest is just such a mainstream thing there. 
and uh, Suikoden, I mean, it's it holds its own in uh, especially the community there. It's it's hugely important, and um, and other countries too. There's other countries that are surprisingly intense about uh, Suikoden. Uh, yes. So you know, you, and again, you'll find their Twitter accounts as well out there. But so talking a little bit about Suikoden before we uh, close up. I know we <laughs> we're already going long, but that's okay because uh, as long as you're still in with it. Uh, John with an H. You good to keep going? Yeah, I'm absolutely. Great. great. I feel like we just scratched the surface here a little bit. Excellent. Well, you let when you uh, when you get bored and you hate me, you let me know and we'll call it. Uh, <laughs> so, with Suikoden, uh we talked a little bit about some of our you know feelings on uh, the series. You, you touched a little bit on the fact that you like the the retro RPGs. What would you say is um, after Suikoden, what is your second favorite RPG franchise? Oh boy, I played I played a lot recently, and some games where I thought I wouldn't be so so invested into. I like I'm really missing it. Like you know, four months later, right? Um, let's see. Well, I, I can say like where I started off with even before Suikoden, because I know you said you you started off like the NES and stuff. I was I have a lot of older brothers, so uh, four older brothers and one older sister, so I come from a big family, right? Uh, so I'm not sure if you ever had to compete for save card memory or cartridge <laughs> memory, only having three things, but I definitely did. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So when they were like all on the PlayStation and N64, you know, I was playing like the, the Super Nintendo and um, my intro was definitely uh, Final Fantasy VI, which was three on the uh, Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And then also Chrono Trigger um, and also Super Mario RPG. So those were kind of like my intros to RPGs, but I also really liked a lot of other stuff on the console, you know, like Donkey Kong and Super Mario World. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Suikoden was my first for the PlayStation 1. That was my first, like, JRPG. Right. Um, but after Suikoden, what would be my favorite? I know, it's tough. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I, I'm, right now, I'm kind of going between Wild Arms and also uh, Shadow Hearts, which was a recent play, which I'm just like... I miss the judgment ring and the inter- interactivity of the combat system. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, I like that. I like the deep cut shadow hearts. That's good. That's good. Wild arms. Of course. I mean, if you like a little bit of that Western flavor, I mean, wild arms is highly, highly recommended. I mean, the first game is just mm, super good. Um, and they, they and actually, alter code F I think is a, is a remake of the first game. Yeah. Right. So that's a little pricey, but worth it. If you want something a little more, you know, graphically, you know, handleable. If you're not, uh, if you can't, because it's 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 an older game for sure. But it, to me, any really most RPGs on that original PlayStation, that's sort of my wheelhouse when it comes to uh, my interest overall. I do like modern RPGs, but there is something that is missing sometimes with those. Um, I did finish Final Fantasy VII Remake. For those who might be wondering out there, I did a. A little video on the demo and I had some opinions about it which you know people are always gonna agree to disagree and I you know I was all right with it it's not it's not my go-to RPG style but I got through the game and I, I enjoyed it but uh Breath of Fire is a great series I always enjoyed the Breath of Fire series um, starting with uh, the Super Nintendo but the the Super Nintendo RPGs um, I didn't get into them as deeply until until the PlayStation because I missed uh, I missed two and three. Played the original. My friend had two and three, which are four and six, 
And it wasn't until Final Fantasy Anthology, which had five and six, um, that I was able to experience those. And I was like, oh, wait, five? And uh, I really enjoyed five, just that job class system. Really, really hit hard with me. I know a lot of people love six. Six was fine. Uh, I didn't particularly fall in love with six. And I hate to say this, it might have to do with you could name any character in that game, but it was hard to say because Tara is obviously the main character. But who, who do I who do I name as my main character? I don't know. Setzer. That's just actually that's who I chose. Yeah, he owns the airship, so he's he's cool enough. And I think I didn't feel connected. Like my thing is, I want to be the protagonist and and fully like that's me. So in Suikoden, I'm the hero dealing with this rebellion or whatever. And with six, it was tricky because. It, it was kind of everybody's story, so I, I didn't really latch on to anyone specific. Great game, but it just didn't didn't hit the same way for me. And now with you know Final Fantasy, I mean naming characters that's pretty much out the door at this point. So voice acting. This is now this is not going to have voice acting, right? As far as we know, Aiden Chronicle. Um, I think he Mariyama said he wants to. Okay. Um, I, I saw in one interview saying that. Uh, you know, I think somebody said, well, they have English and, you know, like a dubbed version mm-hmm. uh, as well as like an original Japanese. And I think he said at, at the very least, you you know, yeah, he'd like to include both. Right. OK. Um, so maybe limited uh, voice acting, like probably not for every single line, like uh, the Secret of Mana remake, how every single NPC would be uh, voice acted. But um, yeah. And going back to Wild Arms for for a moment, mm-hmm. uh, the to relate it to the Kickstarter, the composer of Wild Arms is working on this project as well. Yes, yes, highly recommend, highly recommend that soundtrack as well. Even used it in the uh, most recent Family Corner episode for, you know, beloved character Cowboy Crutches, who has uh, this is his first appearance on the channel. <laughs> Thanks for that intro, Cowboy Crutches. Um, <laughs> with Wild Arms. Uh, you, I would think that I wouldn't have liked it because I'm not um, generally Western stuff, uh, cowboy esque stuff doesn't interest me. I was never a fan of like cowboy movies or anything. Even I'm a huge Back to the Future fan, and when I was younger, three was my least favorite, uh, just because I just didn't like the uh, the Western thing. But as I've gotten older, actually three is one of my favorites in the in the series now. But Wild Arms, yeah, there's just something of, that was like a perfect mix that fantasy and that Western. It just so Hello unique. Wild Arms three as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, super unique. Um, just flavor to it. But yeah, Wild Arms is a great, great series to check out. One, one of the more. Uh, now this is actually an episode of the channel. I'd like to do a video on the channel about this game, which is Guardians Crusade on the original PlayStation. Not sure if you're familiar. Mm-mm. So Guardians Crusade looks. It's an RPG. It's turn based. It's it's got a rough. I would say a rough look to it probably didn't age well because it did do the 3D, fully 3D world. And it looks very kiddy. Uh, the idea is you're sort of uh, bequeathed this uh, baby, pink baby thing. You just call it baby. You don't really know what it is. Uh, you know, it's it ends up being a baby dragon, but it's this goofy sort of game and you collect these like magic little... Uh, gadget creature things gadget so we can and you you know use them in your battles highly recommend checking out that game i'm probably going to have to take a look at that game a little retrospective because it's one that not a lot of people know about and it's 
it's deceivingly good because it just looks like a very it looks more simplistic than quest 64 to put it into maybe a way that someone might get it and a lot of people dog on quest 64 uh this this is a is good guardians crusade is a good so i recommend checking that one out um so we got to talk we talked a little bit about suikoden 4 and suikoden 4 i think is very specific to you john because you have what i would think of as a very coveted item in the suikoden merch world an item that i know about and have never uh you know would never even dream the possibility of getting one but there there is a cuz konami they love gambling and konami likes to uh put out their ips for things and there is a suikoden 4 patchy slot machine and John, uh, you have one. Yeah, I do. So you got to tell me. I, I I wouldn't let you tell me before when when we met. How in the in the heck did you get <laughs> a Suikoden Four patchy slot machine? Uh, I got it from Japan. <laughs> so how how did that? Did you just order it in? Import it? Did you get it in Japan? How how did that? I don't even I don't even understand. Yeah, I have a few friends in Japan, uh, you know, and at first I was trying to go through uh, Importer, uh, who actually I'm still in really good contact with, and he's been he's been great, uh, who's based in Connecticut. Uh, and originally they found one for me, but then, uh, and, and I paid for it, but then the, the deal fell through because they needed to repair something in it. And uh, it was like a while because we were just waiting for like two months and the, eventually... Uh, my importer's like, yeah, I'm just getting a little sketchy feeling about this. So I'm just going to issue like a refund. And I'm like, okay. Uh, it's like, keep your eye out for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I eventually found one and, uh, yeah, yeah. I just ordered it there, had it picked up from that warehouse and, you know, with the whole shutdown thing, I was a little bit worried. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I think it, because things were slower, it was a little bit actually easier to get out. Um, and I have a, a friend, or my cousin actually works in a sh shipyard in Connecticut, uh, okay. Groton. So, you know, I guess just a, a perfect combination of things to, to help ease the blow of how much it would normally cost to import. Luckily, with the U.S. and Japan, there are no import fees because I do know a lot of collectors uh, and you have to like provide receipts for some stuff while importing into their country. Like I know my friend Spain got hit with like a ridiculous fees. Yeah. Uh, you know, almost as much as they paid to ship it and the cost of the item combines so they're paying double. But yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard that about some of the other countries. Yeah. That's like the only, I mean, I'm really only importing things when I do get them from Japan. Uh, I haven't really delved into any other countries yet. I think, I think I may have gotten some things from, from Germany once or twice, but I'm not not certain. And I and France, I've got a couple things from France, but mostly Japan. Um, obviously, I do a lot of things about the Famicom, so of course that's where, you know, I'm gonna find most things. It's always funny how uh, if somebody says like used condition for a game in North America, and it, it it's definitely used, and then Japan, it'll say like, oh, this is like C C minus condition, and I was like, what are you talking about? This looks brand new, <laughs> like. Just the way things are cared for is like seems so different. Um, yeah. So, how long have you had the the patchy slot machine now? Uh let's see. Because I purchased it, but I, sh I, I had a range shipping for a little while. Right. Um, probably. What are we in? We just hit August, right? Yeah, you're about to. Yep. Yeah. 
a couple months now? Oh, four or five months. Okay. Okay. So is it seemed pretty well made? I mean, it just seems like such a, obviously I don't have any familiar familiarity with that, that specific type of machine, but. I mean, yeah. Uh, the difference between Pachinko and Patchy's Lowe's is that like Pachinko's have metal balls and uh, the Pachislos kind of have like a TV monitor at the top. So you're actually like seeing a little bit of gameplay footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's some HD, you know, versions of the 3D models from 4. So that's really cool to see. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's like probably the only way they exist, which is super cool. But also if Konami ever decides to, oh, I don't know, take a look at a Kickstarter that blew up and, you know, be like, you know, we could Final Fantasy VIII got HD remastered. Maybe we could just, uh, you know not going to tell them how to do their job but i mean they clearly have the ability if they're going to put it in a, in a patchy slot machine so yeah but that that is very impressive like that's a crazy i know again i'll definitely if you if you enjoy yourself today i'd love to have you back on the show in the future and uh you know we could talk more about some maybe collecting things and is sweet in the the main thing you collect for when it comes to things outside of just games yeah, absolutely. Um, it started with my friend, uh, Marina, like really helped me. Uh, I, I was just, you know, just trying to get a few things like trying to get the, the, all the figures and, uh, uh, maybe all the manga. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of just escalated from there because, you know, them being a collector, they're like had all these stuff from like eight years ago. It's like, I have duplicates and stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah. So that they really helped me, you know, determine what is a good price because there are some stuff that you can find on eBay that are from Japan, mm-hmm. but, uh, they're kind of really highly marked up. Uh, and it's not always the case just because, you know, they had to import it. It's just like, I, you know, maybe some people, uh, don't like dealing with intermediaries, uh, in order to, to buy something and then ship it where, you know, these people on eBay already went through that process. But, uh, yeah, it, it's just, uh, it's, it's really expensive, I guess, if you try to buy in-state than actually getting it from the country itself, if you can manage to find it. Right, yeah. I haven't done the intermediary where you have the, the person that kind of imports it for you and gets it to you. I've not tried that yet. I've just, you know, I just do the very obscure thing of, you know, I always try to get from Japan directly. And obviously shipping is the big thing where a lot of times you'll see, you know, a pack of original uh, and <laughs> cards and they'll be very affordable but the shipping is like insane and sometimes it's realistic it's like yeah shipping can be tricky and sometimes it's like okay clearly gonna make the money on the shipping um but yeah that, that's where a lot of my stuff there you go there it is ready to play a match right now we're gonna have to have a virtual uh match <laughs> in through digitally distracted I, I do have a couple of the starter packs uh, but the, i think the first thing that i started collecting with this weekend in merch was I was trying to get all of the um, guidebooks because it's just a ridiculous. Because here, you know, you'll get one strategy guide for an RPG. You now, usually a Brady Games or whatever. And then over there, there's like they release so many different. Like, oh no, this is the Sweden One and Two World Encyclopedia guide. This is the Heroes guide. This is the Strategy guide. This is the Konami Plus Crazy guide. So I, I started hunting down all the different guides for the original games, just for the for the artwork. It's almost like just having like an art book that's also a guide that I can't read. Though uh, another friend of the show is supposedly going to help me. He, he He's a fan. He's I've known met him at conventions before. And uh, uh, more recently, he was like, you know, I, I teach Japanese. I was like, that's my job. He's like, I'll, I'll teach you Japanese. I'm like, okay, 
We'll see. It's going to be tough teaching a teacher. You know, I'm stubborn, but I'll try. Because <laughs> uh, I took Japanese in college for a semester, and uh, I, re- I did really enjoy it, but it was just that early, um, early stage. So I just hope I'm not uh, – my brain isn't <laughs> too old where I can't learn another language. But, yeah, I would love to if I was going to learn something. But So once I got the guides, then, then I got the figures – and then, you know, collecting the manga, that was like the next thing I had to get the the full, the official ones. And then, uh, you know, the fandom gets pretty deep. Like there's also the, like the fan, I don't even know what they're called, but there's, like, yeah, yeah. So there's those two. And that, that threw me at first. I was like, wait, this is, is this official? And then starting to learn how that works and then finding out that you can get little magic rune phone straps of the game, uh, from the games. And it, it's, it's. It's tricky. There's probably even more merch out there. There's there's a particular eBay seller out there who's got like everything, and uh, I always see his stuff. And it's like I have bought from him before, but he's got some things that, like the uh, the PC game, he's he's listed that before, uh, which is which is very hard to find. And uh, what's some other? He also had I think it was a calendar, one of the calendars, and then he had a sticker set uh, of I think it might have been from Sweden too. And it was a sticker set and like a, a poster, and it was all the 108 heroes as stickers. They would stick on it, and he had never opened it. And I was like, man, oh, I want that. But I, I've sort of stopped getting the merch because, as you know, it can get very expensive. But, yeah, Suikoden is one I like to collect for, and, of course, Final Fantasy. Did, have you um, – you said uh, you played 2 and 3 uh, in the early days. Did you kind of uh, – Where's Final Fantasy fall on your list? Is it is it up there in your uh, RPG fandom? Uh, two and three of Final Fantasy. I played a uh, six on the Super Nintendo, which was Final Fantasy three. three. Okay, so you haven't played, you didn't play two back then, just just three. Okay, mm-hmm. and then also I played Final Fantasy Tactics, and those are the only like I played a little. I like a lot of people when you like pick up a game, put it down, especially since like I had uh, so many siblings and only have access, limited access to those consoles since they'd be in those rooms. Right. I, I would play probably the first uh, couple of hours of a lot of them. Like I can remember playing, uh, let's see, a little bit of seven, like the escape uh, opening scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eight, I just remember liking the card game a whole lot, but I, I don't think I got very far either. Um, nine, I still remember that distinct style of the black mage for vv and then 10 i think was the last one i actually like played a little bit of with mm-hmm. uh tight titus yeah i always said titus but titus. of course it's now titus officially which uh okay i guess makes sense because you know the but, i in japanese I, I am thinking about getting into that series a little bit more uh i just it's so mainstream i guess it's like i kind of like you always hear sweetens like the hidden gem or or it's very niche mm-hmm. where I guess I've always kind of wanted to find out other other RPGs that really kind of didn't get that spotlight that kind of got drowned out by, you know, perhaps Final Fantasy since it was kind of always and, the... Yeah, uh, and there's a lot, especially on the original PlayStation that just people don't know. And a surprising number of uh, tactical tactics RPGs in that style of Final Fantasy tactics that work similarly that just no one has heard of or talks about. Um yeah, well, well. After after the show, feel free to message me because I can uh, I can share some with you. But yeah, finally, that's interesting to have that perspective though, because you just assume somebody who is that invested in the Suikoden series clearly they're Final Fantasy fans, right? It's only logical, and I, I get that totally. I, I play I played all of them up to ten, and ten is kind of where I was like, all right, I'm done, and because uh, it just got 
This is too much. And then I did come back and do 15. I did a review of 15 on my channel. It kind of brought me back a little bit. I kind of was okay with 15. And 7 Remake almost has a similar feel to that style of 15. But yeah, after 10... And we were talking about voice acting earlier that Moriyama would like to have voice acting in Aiden Chronicle. And I wonder if, because of that ability to name the main character if he'll kind of go that route of, like you said, either limited voice acting or if it'll dance around your character's name like Final Fantasy X does. Because you can name Titus, but they always just, you know, it's like that thing in in most conversation. If you're hanging out with somebody in a group, you're not constantly saying each other's names. You just say, hey, man, or hey, can you hand me that? So you can really get around never having the characters say the main character's name, so which I always feel like, but now with most RPGs, if there's voice acting, you can pretty much guarantee you're not going to name the character. But I don't know. The technology should be there, right, to where it says you should be able to say your name based on what you type in. It's got to. It's got to be there. Yeah, you'd hope so. Yeah. Um, so let's let's see here. Um, which this might be tricky. Which would you say? None of them are bad. But let's just just play with me for a little bit here. Which of the mainline Suikoden games, one through five, is the worst? I know it's not a word we would ever use, but just for the game. Which would you say is is the least Suikoden Suikoden game in the in the five? Hmm. I know. Ooh, I should have gave you the questions ahead of time. Mentally prepare. <laughs> it's it's just hard because I you know I never want to say anything bad about any of them. Um, least which one did you want more from maybe maybe that's a a way that you can get through it (laughs) for me it was Um, three i gotta put it out there three was the one that threw me how many times have you played three i played it twice i played it twice once which usually what i do with rpgs um being crazy is i'll i'll play it blind and then i'll play it a second time where i'll go crazy because there's so much to miss that if you don't have a strategy guide, you're gonna miss you're gonna miss stuff, and unless you just have learned the game so well, and especially like Suikoden two, I would say for sure Suikoden one you could probably catch most things, but Suikoden two there's a lot that you will not if it's your first time playing it you're just, you're just gonna miss so much. So I'll usually do a second playthrough and try to get every little scene and nook and cranny that I can, and I'll just sit there side by side with a a printed guide. And go through it, but yeah, that second I played it through twice. Did did get out both times, and um, yeah, just something. I don't know. I need to play it again. It was many years ago that I that I last played Sweden in three. Yeah, I think each one game has its strengths and weaknesses. Um, it, it's weird because you know we we both said how much we love one, but one thing that I, I wanted a little bit more from was kind of like at the end. I guess I was expecting to to fight the you know the, the villains, and you kind of get this uh, other you, you sort of, and then maybe you think you're going to fight that villain, and then all of a sudden a cutscene happens, and it's kind of just uh, you know goes on by, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of interesting because if you look at the old, um, they, they like revealed Suikoden. Uh, the original one at some some convention and they actually showed a duel with uh barbarossa so that would have been like you know something cool where it's not really a uh entire battle that would have made yeah. that would have been great yeah 
for sure. I would have loved to seen him since you in the end of one, you uh, had three, two other people along with the main character locked into your party, uh, which were Flick and Victor. Mm-hmm. And Victor has a true rune incarnated into his sword, and so does Barbarossa. So that would have been an epic duel to see, which I really personally would like to to witness. Mm. You know, seeing two runes kind of duke it out. Yes, yes, that would have been awesome for sure. Um, well, the, I'll let you off the hook then, and instead. We'll, we'll keep it positive. Uh, who is your favorite non-main character, non-hero protagonist? In, uh, in We'll say from one and two because they share the most characters. So between one and two, who would you say is your favorite party member outside of, cor- of course, the hero? Uh, uh, Blue Lightning, Flick. Of course. Now, I knew, I had a feeling, based on what I've seen on your social media, that that would be, that would be the one. And that is mine as well. Flick has always been... Uh, my favorite character, just just the way he kind of grows from one to two, and you saw that in reverse. Though, from what you told re- me, yep, and I saw it in so reverse. So I'm wondering how that that felt. <laughs> it was very weird because, you know, <laughs> he was obviously not a fan of the main character in the first game. Uh, it took him a took him a while to come around, and in and in two, he was already like Flick and Victor are just an amazing duo, like just great. Like they so missed in the uh, the later games because but what are you gonna do? Um, just I would like to have more of them in uh, in the games, but it is what it is. But I felt he was very much like a father figure that was like a tough tough dad, which is funny because Victor's like he's the rough gruff guy, but in two he he kind of like takes you in and like and and you know flick tests you of course, but he was not as harsh as he was in the first, in the first game. He was kind of like, kind of mean. It's, it's weird. You'd think Odessa would have made him, uh, you know, given him that softer side. You'd think the loss of Odessa spoilers would uh, make him more, more mean. So that kind of threw me that, that he was actually a little more gruff. Well, when she was still with you, but of course he was kind of blaming you for, uh, her death as you do. Um, but yeah, just his stories, you know, come from the Warriors Village and yeah, just his look too. Uh, seeing the Kickstarter, a lot of people were saying, oh, look, there, there we go. We got the, the two buds from Sweden and Two. It's very similar. But I get some deep flick vibes from, uh, from that character in, in the, from the Kickstarter. Just the blue and the. Come know. say. Yeah, yeah. Kind of gets me a little bit. But yeah, flick, amazing, amazing character. Uh, that's good. Well, there's that best, best party member flick. Well, we were talking about, uh, about, uh, Noah, how his resemblance looks like a, a lot of people, uh, that Junko has, uh, Kiwano mm-hmm. has worked on before. Like we were saying, kind of looks a little bit like McDowell, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, also some Kirill vibes from tactics. Yeah. I could see that with the hair, the hair for and sure. And then color scheme down, just kind of like your shirt. Uh, it looks like Rio. So yeah. it looked like a, a blend, uh, although uh, that was a different artist in, in two, but like there's just so many good comparisons. I see a lot of people in community making. Yeah. I mean, there's even a little, I mean, a little bit of the flame champion in there because the flame champion kind of has similar looks, but yes, of course I'm wearing my, you know, got my Jousting Alliance shirt on today. I was trying to, trying to rep, <laughs> rep a little bit. And uh, I got the shirt many, many years ago and uh, wow. So glad I picked up a treadmill because this is a tough, 
was a tough fit. <laughs> it was a tough fit getting this on for the video. Um, yeah, so <laughs> the Suigenin series is something that, uh, you know, obviously means a lot to both of us. And yes, definitely favorite series of all time. And people missed it for whatever reason. Uh, this is definitely the time, I think, to to really re-experience. There's so many ways, uh, even if you don't have a PS3, you can experience these games, of course. And, uh, you know, the hope, Konami has to know that this is happening. So I'm sure that they're, I would hope, I would hope. They're doing a lot of things with Castlevania, so I, I feel like it's a possibility uh, they might see this. And I'm sure that's what Mariyama would want, is that they do get re-released in a way that, you know, more modern gamers can go back and experience them because it, it it can be tricky to do it in a way that is, let's say, legal. Uh, obviously, you can emulate anything nowadays, but I, you know, if you really, if you got a PS3 and you've never played them, I highly recommend you buy them because that's just going to show, you know, Konami, uh, why are people buying this up? And I wonder if those PSN sales will go up from people wanting to put money into the series to actually experience those those first games, um, but you got the first two. If if you look at this game and this Kickstarter, and you feel like you could be a fan of it, the first two games are definitely for you. Three, four, and five. It's gonna be it's gonna feel different, but yeah, those those first two for sure. I, I would recommend if you if you like the look of Aiden Chronicle. That that's what you need to do for sure. Um. Now, I don't want us to keep going too long because uh, we've gotten deep. But again, like I said, the invite's there. If you ever want to come back on Digitally Distracted, we'd love to have you. And thank you so much for uh, kicking off this return. Uh, we'll call it season two of Digitally Distracted. And uh, John, feel free. Go ahead and share. You know, Where can people find you? Where do you want to direct them? Um, if you know they, this is their first time seeing you, what would you like to share with everybody? Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, handle is at DreamyWarrior00. Uh, also on Twitch with that same handle. Uh, you know, uh, I guess you could tag at SRM on, on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also, you know, I, I, yeah, all those folks that are really nice. So you probably wouldn't want to talk to any of them. Uh, or would. I said would, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, would. Would want to talk to any of them. <laughs> just, just clarify there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, one other thing I'd like to mention is uh, for the Kickstarter is that there's also lots of social media goals there as well. So even if you don't, maybe you're not sure if you want to back yet or if you have, you know, financially able to back it, uh, retweeting, liking, posting artwork on Instagram is going to unlock stuff for the game or uh, unlock stuff for the backers to maybe like a little more extra in their goodie bag for their backing. So everybody, uh, you know, check that on the Kickstarter as well. Mm -hmm. And there's also a uh, Discord, right, where they're doing some things with that as well. Mm -hmm. There is an official Ayudin Discord, and I'm over there too. So if you want to say hi, come. Feel free to come by. And I will. I haven't gotten in there yet, uh, but I need to. Now I don't know. Is there a? Um, how does that work with your? Do you have to link Kickstarter to Discord? Because I believe there are Discord roles specific to your pledges. Is that right? Yeah, and, and a lot that's been a, a question a lot of people have had. Those won't be actually given out until after the Kickstarter because people can cancel their pledges along with other other reasons. Right. So you guys will receive that hopefully in a few weeks after the close of the Kickstarter, mm -hmm. which I think the last day now, it got extended again, which would be uh, the 29th of August, which would be the last day in the U.S. I think it's the 30th in Japan. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there's plenty of time for you to go in and support this. You know, we we think it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Of course, you gotta wait a little bit, but that's the fun of Kickstarter. Is you know, you're making this happen, and it it's not like the Kickstarter is gonna end and you're just sitting there with nothing for two years. There's so many things that um, the team is doing to keep you interactive, and you know, having the Discord and you know these other goals outside of just you know pledging. Um, it, it's going to keep keep it on your mind to give you things to think about as we get closer and closer. And, uh, you know, we hope 2022 it does happen and we stay on track. And uh, I'm super excited for it. And, again, thank you so much, John, for being on the show. And thank you, viewers, for getting digitally distracted with us. 